Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. That's the one thing about when you're when, when you're a little bit of a smaller group, you gotta you gotta make up for the the, the voices, amen, that that aren't there yet. Glory to God. You know the uh, you know, I had my son. Uh, and they, it wasn't that they did anything wrong with the worship music, but uh, I just sensed that there was a little bit of a. Uh, I could just feel it. You know, sometimes you can feel there's a tangible uh, kind of a a lull. Amen. You know, there's uh, uh, sometimes even when we sing hymns, you know, we sing them, you know, we have these hymns and, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, we, we have these hymns and we, they're meant to be like, you know, you're talking about blessing the Lord and, and talking about the things and goodness of God and what he's done in our lives. And sometimes we're tempted to sing those kind of monotone and just kind of, uh, you know, like that. And, and, it, and, and it goes from being a praise hymn to being a dirge. You know what a dirge is? Glory to God, a dirge is something that is, 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 is singing the sadness. And, you know, the, the thing is, is that we, you know, I, I, and I've just learned this in life, that there's, there's two, two takes we can have. We can have a godly take or we can have a not godly take. And we decide which that's going to be. Amen. God has provided the means to us, provided the means for us, but we always decide what we're going to do with that. And how we react uh, to uh, how we react to circumstance, how we react to things, and the, you know, the worse that we react to them, the the further down we get dragged into that. But to be lifted up, you need to connect to something that's lifting up, and that's why God gave us the concept of praise and worship. He gave us that so we could focus on something that was outside of the thing that we're in currently. Amen. And although that's not my message. Tonight, I definitely think that it would be something that would help us. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. We can never, <clears throat> we never want to become that, uh, you know, we, we, we joke about it, the first United Frozen Chosen. Amen. Glory to God. We don't want to be the ones that are just sitting around not getting excited about the word, you know. Uh, praise the Lord. We want to be the people that are stirring and stirring. Sometimes we need to stir each other, but we should also be able to stir ourselves. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, tonight we are doing communion service, and because we're doing communion, I'm going to be teaching about that. And so if you tuned into the Mayville service, some of the things might sound very familiar uh, that we had last week, uh, because I am preaching basically, I'm using the same scriptures. We'll see if God does something different with it. I imagine that he probably will, because it's a different group of people. And plus, I don't like to preach the same message exactly the same way twice, and, I, I, and so I think that God will honor that. Amen. But at any rate, even, even if for some reason he didn't, and we, we end up preaching that message, I still am pretty sure that the message was a good message. Amen. And I I know that because I preach the message based on what the Word teaches us. Amen? And if you do preach a message based on what the Word teaches you, you really can't go too wrong. Amen? I mean, certainly there's filler that I can add in there and things that I could add that would make it uh, go a little bit wrong. But as long as I bring it back to the Word, we can at least be that much right. Amen? And that's what we want, you know. But So tonight's message is again called a basic Christian message. Glory to God. And that's, you know, I, and the reason that we're doing this is very specific, very purposeful. I don't like doing communion without teaching what communion's about. And the reason is, is because I grew up in a church and I grew up taking communion, but I never understood fully what communion was. You know, to me, communion was exciting only because I got a little snack during church. Amen. And that's the way that I kind of looked at it. You know, I was, it wasn't much of a snack, of course. It wasn't like a, a whole loaf of bread. They'd cut up the little, the, I would say, I told the, the Mayville church that the, you know, the, the church, the little, little church ladies would cut up the imperfect little squares of bread and they would, uh, and then, of course, with the juice, they'd send those around, and and I, if I if I was uh, if I was quick on the draw, I'd get two of them, 
Amen. I don't think I ever got three, but I do remember getting two. I can't remember if I even got my hand smacked for that, but uh, maybe they just figured I needed more of the body that day. Amen. <laughs> but I know that I, I felt like I needed it. Amen. And 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 for my my stomach. But but see, I never really understood what it was all about. I never understood the purpose in communion. And communion is a very, very important ritual. It's not just something that we do, but it's something we do with purpose or should do with purpose, as in all the things that we do, amen? Now, there will be little things here and there that we can't necessarily, you know, build doctrine on that will, that will happen. You know, I, I was in a conversation with another minister this week, and I really like what he said. You know, we're not going to, you know, Jesus didn't have doctrine on, uh, on uh, you, you know, certain ways that he was healing people or splitting bread and, and fish and all that stuff and you know we didn't have certain doctrine on those things and so sometimes the spirit will lead us in things that we don't specifically have doctrine for amen but the principle of the you know the principle uh, should be good uh, or should be able to be found or at least principles in in how we walk things out amen and if we have the principle it's a good it's a good place to start amen but something like communion is something that's very important for us. And I've, you know, I remember when I first heard it taught, I was, uh, I was much older. It was actually just, just before we started pastoring, I first heard what communion was actually for. And uh, when I really realized and understood what it was for, it really blessed me, amen. And, and then we actually, my wife and I and the kids, we went to another church. Uh, we were on vacation in Massachusetts, and we went to a, a, a church. It was a, a really old church. It actually had a, a bell that was cast by Paul Revere, amen. Uh, and it had uh, the, the lightning rods that were on the church building were installed by Ben Franklin. So that's, that's kind of how historic it was. But this church was a really beautiful church. It was a really neat church. And, they, and we went on a tour of some things afterwards because uh, a great man of faith that, that had come in, in our lineage, his name was George Whitfield, was buried beneath the pulpit, literally buried beneath the pulpit. So we got to go see that. And, and, and it was a pretty cool thing to go see. But amen. that week she taught on communion as well. And she taught about the, the pastor that was there. And she taught it was a Presbyterian church. It was much, uh, it was much uh, more... Uh, like traditional than ours is you know they had the specific things and everything in order and you know on the pamphlet it told you everything that would happen that's one thing I kind of like about our churches is sometimes you don't really know what's going to happen amen you kind of think you will but uh, yeah yeah we, we, we reserve the right to follow the Holy Ghost and I'm thankful for that but uh, but you can still get good stuff from traditional churches too amen and so that's that's where we're uh, you know we're kind of coming at with this and and I I really I'm excited to, to to talk about it here tonight amen because this is really the reason why we're here glory to God hallelujah amen. and so let's go ahead and turn over there to Ephesians 2 10 amen Ephesians 2 10 you know the local church is not just about you it's about others and it's a good thing to know uh, people that don't uh, don't realize that don't understand really why they're, what their salvation is even for you know, if God just wanted us to be saved, then we'd be saved and we'd go to heaven. But that's not what he wanted us to do. He wanted us to be saved, and then he wanted to do something with us. Amen? Praise the Lord. He wanted to do something in us and through us. Glory to God. And uh, so that's why we, we congregate together. We come together for that purpose. Glory to God. In Ephesians 2.10. Is, uh, is it's one of my top scriptures, a scripture I love. Amen? Because it gives, gives, gives us a really good understanding of what God did in us. Amen? <clears throat> it says here, for we are his workmanship. Everybody say his workmanship. his workmanship. Amen. That means he did it. Glory to God. We are his. We belong to him. 
We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Amen? Now, when it says God prepared beforehand, this is not predestination in the sense I don't, I, I don't believe in that. They call that typically Calvinism. Uh, that's kind of uh, John Calvin was the man who kind of created that line of thinking, and I don't follow that line of thinking. I don't think that God predestined every moment of our life. I think the Bible is very clear about that. Some people would argue with me on that, and that's okay. If you don't agree, that's okay. Amen. I just think that there's, it, it, it's not so much, we, I don't think that it makes much sense that a loving God would predestine some people to hell. I just can't believe that. But that's, that's my take on it. Glory to God. And like I said, if you have a different take, that's fine. But uh, we do know this, that we were created for a, a reason, for good works which God prepared beforehand. Now God has prepared good works before, uh, beforehand for all of us. But uh, notice what it says here at the end, so that we would walk in them. You know, it doesn't say that we definitely will walk in them. It doesn't say that, that uh, it's an absolute that we would walk in them. But we do know that, there's a part, that we have a part to play in this. We have a part to play in following the Lord. Uh, in fact, uh, we, you know, Jesus wouldn't have ever told his disciples to follow them if they were predestined to just walk after them. He wouldn't have ever needed to. But God has given us that concept throughout Scripture that, that we are to follow after him. You know, even, even though the, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that God has good plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, amen, uh, pro plans to give us a, a future and a hope, how many know that we can choose whether or not to walk in that future and that hope? We choose what road we're going to take. We cho choose what path we're going to take. God will put them before us, and many times uh, he will put continual plans before us. But if we miss the ones that he started us on or had for us in the beginning, uh, you know, there's certain plans that will go undone, amen? And we don't want that, but, uh, but, but we want to fulfill God's plan, amen? But we see this, that God, we have been cre recreated in Christ Jesus or created in Christ Jesus for good works. There is something that God has meant for us to do, and that, that to do starts when we come together, yeah. amen? That is what communion is all about. Communion is about fellowship. Communion is about coming together. It's about coming together and recognizing the body of Christ and what Christ did and recognizing that we are his body, that we are no longer separate entities, but that we are part of something bigger than us. Amen? And that's, that's really what communion is all about. And so we see this here, that God has created us for good works that he has prepared for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now I want you to turn with me over to Romans 10. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Oops, turning the wrong way. Romans 10. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people, you know, I've heard people say over the years, you know, the, the early church, they didn't have a church building, and, and they met in houses, and they didn't have this, and they didn't have that. And that's, that's true. There's a lot of things they didn't have. But just because they didn't have them isn't direction for us to, to refuse them. Amen. You know, praise God, hallelujah, the love the, I love the Amish as far as people go. But uh, just, because, uh, you, just because early people didn't have electricity, 
doesn't mean that you shouldn't have it today. It's a great blessing to have electricity. In fact, it's bondage not to have it. Amen? And I always, I've always wanted to ask this question of, of, of Amish. I'm sure there's probably not too many watching right now. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I'm missing on something there. But, uh, you, you know, I've, I've always wanted to ask this question. I'm like, well, at some point, you know, the buggy was a new invention. You know what I mean? At some point, a saddle on a horse was a new invention. So at some point, those became, those were modern conveniences, and, 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 and that, that's okay, you know. And I, I understand the, you know, the things about being humble and humility and stuff like that. I think that's an important thing, and I do respect certain aspects of that, of the culture, you know. But I bring that stuff up to, you know, to, to say this, that just because something is new doesn't make it bad. Just because something is more doesn't make it bad. You know, we live in a country where we are quite blessed. You know, one of the things that uh, actually I've been seeing recently is how this country is really kind of a, a type of Israel coming into the promised land. That God had created this country and he has blessed us with great and wonderful blessings that we are going to have to answer for when we get to heaven because God is, is, is exceedingly blessed us. We have more than other people have. We have more than other nations have. Now, that's not to say that we should live in poverty because other people do because God has blessed this nation. But we should take that, uh, not take that lightly. We should take that and really it should mean something to us. And we should do something with that. God has given us the ability to excel in these things, to do great things with it. And that harkens back to having that. So we, we have to understand that when, with the blessing that God gives us, there's, there's something that we're meant to do with that. Amen. Now, if we've been so blessed to be graced with salvation, you know, I think about this all the time. I have family members. I have family members that I grew up with that don't serve Jesus, that don't know Jesus, that are completely lost. That if they were to die today are going to hell, and I'm sure you probably know some like that. And I think, oh, I, I think about people that I, I, I spent time with and played with and, and had very similar life to, and here I know God here I get to experience these things of God, and they don't get to experience these things. And, and, and I, I think sometimes it really humbles me when I think about it, or not sometimes, it always does when I really think about it, because when I really think about it, I think, man, it could have been them and not me here. And, and, and I don't know how it was that God got through to me, but I'm blessed that he did. And that stirs me, that drives me, that, that pushes me to do more, amen? That's why we, we, we desire to do more. It, it, it always surprises me that, uh, I, when I think about a Christian who comes into the church and, and they don't start understanding that, amen? That they still only come for them or that it's still about them, that they can't understand that the reason that we come together is for more than just for something that I can get when I come. But the reason that we come together is because when I come, I supply a part for somebody else. And when you come, you supply a part for somebody else. And when we all come together, we're supplying parts for somebody else. That will make you come to church in a much different way. See, that will make you put your garbage aside and be able to accept what God wants to do because you realize that it's bigger than what you are. And this is what God has called us together. This is what communion is all about. Communion is us reflecting on what God has done for us individually and how he's brought us together to do greater things. Yeah. 
And those greater things are, are, are the reasons why we keep pushing through. The re those greater things are the reasons why when we have trial, we look beyond the trial to the thing that is ahead of us because we realize that just like Jesus, if he hadn't looked ahead to the, the promise after the cross, he never would have endured the cross in the first place. He would have never been able to go through it in the same way. That's how we endure the trial. That's how we endure the temptation. That's how we go for the breakthrough. We push through because we look to the joy that's on the other side. Amen? Glory to God. And see, we're so blessed because how many people are sitting in, in, in this area on a Saturday night and can't, and you know this. You know this because there's people that you would love to see sitting in this church getting the same word that you're getting. You know this because when you do talk to people, when you, when you do reach people, you know that there, there's something that they're not getting here. How many people, we need to think about that. How many people are sitting not getting the truth tonight? Yes. Amen? Yes. Praise the Lord. And this is why we come together. We come together and we endure because when we, when we endure, when we push through, when we, you know, we're here, this is, we just had our five-year anniversary. Praise the Lord. And there's been a lot of times in these five years where it hasn't looked like a whole lot's going on. But like my wife was saying, both of us have thought about this separately, that there's, you know, it's easy to, to start a church in the sense that you can open the doors anywhere and you could, you could get people, maybe some people to start coming and you could start having a church service. But there's a whole... There's a whole nother thing about enduring. And it's the same thing with the body of Christ. It's easy to come in and it's easy to raise your hand and uh, to pray a prayer and to maybe even come for a little while. It's something else when you push through. It's something else when you endure through. It's something else when you grab onto it and you say, this is my new life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And see, people need to see that. The people of the area need to see that this is not just something that, that, that is wishy-washy that was here and is not. But it's something that stands. It's something that will be lasting. Amen? Glory to God. And this is why we come together. But here, Romans 10, 13. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I started praying for our people is that they, would be, that they would be stirred in the work. That they would have a mind and a heart for the work. Because it's not just enough to come, but it, we need to have a mind and a heart for the work. And what do I mean the work? It's whatever we're called to do as a church. We need to have a mind and a heart for it. Amen. See, the reason why people can just leave the church and not make it much of a thing is because they don't have a mind and a work for it. We need to have a mind and a work for uh, a mind and a heart for the work. Glory to God. We need to know that God uh, wants to do great things and however he's going to do them and whatever that would entail. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we see here in Romans 10, 13. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody say, will be saved. If you can get somebody to call on the name of the Lord, it's an absolute, they will be saved. But see, there's a, there's, there's a place between calling on the name of the Lord and hearing the word, amen? Or I should say it the other way around. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Glory to God. And so uh, we see that there's a need for, uh, uh, for people to send, uh, to send the preacher out. You know, preachers aren't a dime a dozen. I mean, there's a lot of people that want to do it sometimes, but even a good preacher, a good a person who will en endure, a person who will last, a person who will persevere, that's not a common trait. 
a person who will do whatever it's called, whatever they're called to do, whenever they're called to do it, that's not a common trait. That's not even a common trait in preachers. I'll tell you, it's not just something that was birthed in me. There's a lot of times where I have to fight into that. Amen. But the point that I'm trying to make is it's not just something, you know, Jesus said the, 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 the harvest is plentiful. I think we're going to get there, but the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so we know that there, there, there is a, a big harvest, but there isn't, uh, there, there isn't as much laborers out there as there is harvest. And what do we know about a, a harvest that doesn't have enough laborers? It falls to the ground and it rots. You know, I think about this as, I, as, we, uh, as we drive around the countryside, and I think I've mentioned it before in this church, but as we drive around the countryside, especially you get in August and you see the, I've seen these places, and I can think of this one in particular, I remember seeing it somewhere between Sherman and Westfield, and uh, there was this place where this, there's this tree that's on the edge of a field, it's an apple tree on the edge of a field. And I remember one time driving by it and the apples were overripe, you know, and they were just lying all over the ground. And, just, and I thought about how nobody will ever eat that fruit. And that fruit is just there. Nobody's collecting it. And what is it? It's, it, it's that there's, there's no laborers for it. And now if, if this person who owned that land sent laborers, they could certainly partake of that, that fruit. And certainly there would be enough fruit to share. And how many people in this world are starving? And then here we have fruit just laying on the ground. But the same thing is with the truth. How many people do we have starving, not being fed the word, but they're not hearing because nobody is sent to do it? And the reason nobody's sent is because a lot of times, nobody's sending them. You see, there's two, big pro two main problems I see in the, 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 that, most, uh, that most work in the body of Christ, two main needs that the work of the body of Christ uh, lacks. There's two main needs that they, that, that, that they lack. You want to know what those are? It's money and people. It's those two things every time. Because it's those two things that always, that's the cost of getting the gospel out. It's finances and it's people. You could have a lot of finances and not have people and it's worthless. Conversely, you could have a lot of people and no finances and it's worthless. See, both are needed. Both of these things work in conjunction with one another to go out and, and, and to, plant, uh, to plant churches, to spread the gospel. And sometimes what I've noticed is that it'll, it'll take one person going from one place way over to another place to reach somebody there, and it'll take somebody from that same place to come way back to the place where the other one just came from. And see, the bio, God knew this. He knew, I had this understanding. Jesus said, he was like, a prophet is not without honor except for in his own hometown, own hometown and among his people. In other words, the, the ones that, were, that knew him, the ones that were, grew up with him, they had a hard time receiving him. But ones who don't know him, they will. And so that's a lot of times why, why that has to be so. And so sometimes, you know, somebody might need to hear an American come speak. And sometimes we might need to hear somebody from another country come speak. Just to get that salvation. I remember when we, I, I remember when I was a kid, I was in church. And I remember this church had these missionaries. And I can't even remember where they were from. I think they're somewhere in Africa. And I'm only assuming because they were very dark-skinned. And they had clothes that reminded me of something that would come out of Africa. So I'm assuming it was African. Uh, they, they were from somewhere in Africa. 
And if I, if I remember correctly, it might, I might even be able to remember, I think it might have been like Nigeria or something like that. And so these, the, I remember them coming and I remember them having an effect on me as a little kid. To this day, I can remember uh, a song that they sang in the church and I can remember very many things out of that church, but I remember the song they sang, His Banner Over Me Is Love. The song is beautiful. Song is banner over me is love, and it's talking about the Lord, you know, His protection and His and His banner being, you know, covering them with love, and they sang it with such heart. And I remember that, you know, that heart being uh, in that place, and I remember it moving me as a child. Amen. And so there's one example of just one thing, you know, and God will send people. You know, if, if, if I was, if I, my little heart at the time was the only heart that was moved by that, God would send people just for that. See, because the cost to God doesn't mean anything. God can stir, uh, he can stir supply in people that will, 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 will do something with it. Amen. He can grow something with seed that is planted in the ground. But again, the coming together is about sending out. We have been so graced, we've been so blessed that we can sit here and hear the word. But if all we do is sit here and hear the word, but never desire to send out, <clears throat> glory to God, hallelujah. You know, I'm, uh, praise Jesus, I'm hesitant to, to say something, but I, 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 it's so important that as individuals, we understand this. That as individuals, we, we stir our hearts <clears throat> to the place where we understand it's about more than us. It's about more than our, our thing and our, our thought process. That we have a heart to do things that aren't, <clears throat> that aren't church sanctioned. That, 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 you know what I mean? Like that, that we don't have to do everything through the, 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 you know, the eyes of the church. In, in other words, the, the heart should be to get people to come to church. But some of the time, sometimes the things we're going to do are going to be works that we do completely aside from the church. You know, I've heard so many times the church should do this, the church should do that. No, the church is the people. The people should do this. The people should do that. When there's a need, it shouldn't be a matter of, like, the pastor shouldn't have to present need in front of people and say, please give in to this. That it should be the heart of the people to say, pastor, what can we do? Or it should be the heart of the people to be like, this is what I've been doing. How can I integrate this into what's going on? Or how can, you know, this is what the Lord has showed me. How can I bring this to make it a part of what God is doing in this place? Amen. Or hearing, hey, we're doing this. You know, I tell this to the people of Mayville all the time. There are certainly some people in Mayville that have connected to this work. And there's some in Mayville that is, have never connected to this work. Now, I don't know which ones those are, and you might not know which ones those are. I mean, I could probably guess. But the point that I'm trying to make is the ones who are, are responsible for everything that happens here. And the ones who are not, don't get any credit for anything that happens here. It means nothing to them. And there'll be that in any given church. There'll be a certain number of people that are excited about what's being happening in the, in, in the local church. And then there'll be others that just don't care about it. And those that just don't care about it, they'll be the ones that stand before Jesus and say, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? And he'll be the ones, those will be the ones that he'll say, depart. And I'm not saying that if somebody didn't sow into this work, they're not going to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm talking about the work overall that they didn't, do they have a heart for what's going on? Do they truly have a heart for it? Because when you truly have a heart for something, it means more to you. Yeah. 
You know, one of the things I say to, I, I often say it to, especially to people that are, are just getting married, I said, if they truly care about you, this is how you know, this is the litmus test for if they truly care, if they truly care about you, then what matters to you will matter to them. And if they don't care about you, then what matters to you won't matter to them. And so the same thing applies, though, to a group of people. If you truly care about your brothers and sisters in Christ, glory to God, then what matters for them should matter to you. And that's what communion is all about. Communion is about us taking aside a moment to reflect on what Jesus did and how he brought us together into this great and wonderful body. And even if we have only a few or if we have a great number, it doesn't matter. He has called us together regardless into the body he's called us to. And he's called us there to effect change, to be a part of what God has called that body to do. That's what communion is all about. So first us, but then them. First salvation will come to you. Because you can't spread salvation unless you know salvation. You know, there's a scripture that talks about neglecting. It's in Hebrews. It talks about neglecting so great a salvation. And I think about that. What a, what a horrible thing to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you did all this for me. You bought this for me. You paid for this. And yet I neglected it. I didn't do anything with it. Because it's such a great salvation. Amen? Glory to God. Matthew 9, 35. I'm going to go ahead and turn there. A lot of people don't realize, you know, sometimes you can't be the one that goes. Somebody has to, somebody has to work. You know, we have this joke. We always say this when I go to these, if I go to a ministry conference without my wife, uh, uh, especially to Reverend Greer one, he always says this to me when we're down there. Well, some, he says, your wife, wife couldn't make it this time. And I always say, no, sir, she, had to, she has to work. And he's like, well, somebody has to Somebody has to make the money while we all play, he says, you know, <laughs> glory to God. And so that, but there is, there is a truth to it, you know, that, that, that there's, you know, not everybody, not everybody can be in the pulpit because somebody's got to sit there and listen. And somebody's got to take what's, what's, what's preached on and they have to allow that to become something in them. And then they have to take that out to the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. Conversely, it's not the pastor who's going to fill the church. The pastor may have a hand in it, but the pastor, and I've learned this over the years, the pastor is the least likely one to fill the seats of a church. The ones who are going to fill the church are the ones who are sitting in the seats. Amen? Praise the Lord. Because there's a perspective that's there too. There's a perspective that, that you get when you sit, and that's, uh, I like that, that rhymed, amen? There's a perspective that you get when you sit, Amen? There's a perspective that, you know, I, I've gotten it too because I've sat and I get it because I sit. But there's a perspective that you get when you sit that you can take to the world. You can take this perception of the word being preached. You know, my brother Jeff back there said this he, when he first came in. He said, you know, he, he didn't maybe even, even understand our doctrine or, or even necessarily know all the things that we believe. Maybe he knew. I know, I'm assuming he didn't because he didn't know us very well or, or whatever. We hadn't had, a whole, we hadn't had any conversation up to that point. But one of the things that blessed me is that he recognized the spirit. Yeah. He recognized something from sitting where he was sitting. He recognized something that so many people need to understand. 
And actually, last night at the, that event in Spartansburg, he, he had mentioned that, that he recognized that. And, that. and see, that's an important thing for us to get, that there, there's something, there's a perspective that you receive when you sit there. That you're, you're, uh, that God has endeavored that would, would be birthed in you. It's a seed that's being birthed in you that, that God wants to build upon. Amen? And if, if you're willing to say yes, if you're willing to submit yourself to the word, submit yourself to the truth and say, yeah, Lord, I, I'll let you build that in me. It's amazing what God will do with that and how he'll grow that. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you find Matthew 9, verse 35? Glory to God. And we see this here. Uh, of course, this is Jesus, um, you know, as he was going about the villages. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogue and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom <clears throat> and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now, you know, it says here that they were distressed and they were dispirited. Uh, and I, I forgot this in the Sunday sermon too. What does the other version say? Scattered and faint. Amen. That's another way of looking at it. And it's, and it's essentially the same thing. They're scattered and faint, but look at without a shepherd. They were sheep without, like they were like sheep without a shepherd. Every sheep needs a shepherd. Sheep that don't have shepherds are scattered and faint. That's why people that don't haven't connected to the local church, they haven't get, become part of that, are scattered and faint. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I, I've noticed this certainly in my own life. You know, when I was uh, when we first came into the church, we were very scattered and very faint. We were very distressed and very dispirited. We were people that didn't have a shepherd and it showed. But you know, when I would sit in church week after week, and it took a while, glory to God, but week after week my pastor would give a message. And week after week I would take that message and I would go back over it and I would, I, I would, I, I would reread it. And, I would, and we didn't even have, I don't even know if we had the internet at the time, so it wasn't like we could go listen to it. But I would take notes and I would reread the notes. I would go over the scriptures again. I would listen or I would rethink about the things that he taught about those scriptures. And I would, I, I would, I would go over them during my lunch break when I worked in the factory. And you know, those things started, uh, as I did that, those things started stirring something in me. They started really stirring something in me, and my faith started to grow. My trust in the Lord started to grow, and all of a sudden, I found myself embracing these truths. And these truths that I was embracing, I saw how they were affecting my demeanor. They were affecting my daily life. And sometimes the things that pastor would present were very hard for me. In fact, a lot of times, there were things that would step right on my toes, and I'd be like, you know, that hurts a little bit. Glory to God. We learned this phrase early on in the church. It was this phrase that said, ouch, hallelujah. It meant that when somebody, when, when somebody was preaching the word real good, it started stepping on your toes and you would say, ouch, but hallelujah, because you knew that it was doing something in you. You knew it was changing because the thing that I learned, the thing that I knew by the time that I had come back to church, the thing that I had learned was everything that I had thought that I was doing were the things that, I, uh, were the things that were causing me trouble. 
The things that I couldn't see were the things that caused me the trouble in life. The things that I didn't understand were the things that were causing me trouble. And when I had the, the truth of the word preached to me, all of a sudden, my life started to change. When I started embracing that truth, it changed even more. And what happened was, is I would sit there just at my work in that factory, and I would, I, I, I would be different times, I'd be working with different people, and I just started talking about the things that I learned. I started talking about the truths. I started sharing them. And I even remember one time that, that a guy would become a friend of mine through this. Praise the Lord. One time he said, man, he said, you should, you should go be a pastor. And I was like, there's no way. I wouldn't be called to that. I could never be a pastor. That's, these are the words that I actually told him. I was convinced of that. As I preached the word to him, I said, there's no way that I could be a pastor. I would never do that. Of course, I had no idea what God had in store for me. Praise the Lord. I has not seen nor you heard the things nor has entered into the heart of man the things which the Lord has prepared for them. Praise the Lord. Those who walk closely with him, those who love him, those who connect to the body. See, what we had done is we didn't just read the word. We connected to a church. We connected to a body. And when we did that, our lives started changing. We had a shepherd. And now for the first time, we had somebody guiding us and helping us and kind of pushing us and nudging us in the right direction. Somebody putting up with us when we caused mess. Glory to God. Somebody that would move us on to a place that was clean from the mess. Somebody who would bear with us, somebody who would share these things. But see, all of this stuff doesn't happen without the local church. All of this stuff doesn't happen without the body. Because just as that was put into me, I was taking that to other people. And people started noticing the change in me. They started seeing the things that were happening in me. And it wasn't that every day was perfect or that I was even doing good half the time. But it was that I was connected to something that meant something. I was connected to something that was real. I was connected to something, connected to something that was changing my life. And that changing of the life is the thing that would draw people to me. I remember at times I would be sitting there and have four or five people sometimes listening to what I was saying. You know, the one who wasn't called to preach. The one who had no ability within himself to talk in front of people. The one who was afraid to even pray a prayer at mealtime. That was who I was, glory to God. But see, God did much more in me because I was connected to something greater. Amen. You know, I, I pose this question in Mayville and I'll pose it here tonight. Even when we come, have we come? And that's what communion is about. It's about us understanding when we're here, why are we here? Have we truly come? Have we come to be part of something? Or have we come out of some religious obligation? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's plenty of people in the world that go to church week in and week out for religious obligation because they think that they're getting something from God or they think that they're connecting to God just because they show up. But the truth of the matter is, they get nothing by showing up. There's nothing in your religious activities. There's nothing by your, 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 con, uh, your consistency in coming to church that connects you to a body. See, communion, uh, communion is about understanding what the body is, the importance of the body, the importance of the body being connected together and then coming together with the purpose of coming together to be together, to do that, to fulfill that call, to fulfill that purpose, to understand that it's not just Pastor Jeff, it's not just Pastor Renee, but it's all of you together and it's all of us together. And as we do the things that God has called us to do, these things together, that God will do greater things within our midst. He will do greater things around this area. And see, this, this area needs people coming together. It needs it. Because as I learned this week, that there's people that still aren't being reached. 
There's people that still aren't hearing the word. I guarantee you could go down to Walmart right after service and find people that don't know, the, don't know Jesus. You know, there's something real precious. As my wife and I left, we uh, drove some back roads. Um, actually, I was following a GPS because specifically where I was going, we went somewhere else and just to just kind of be away for a little bit together. And uh, as we were going, we, uh, we, we, we were just driving these roads we didn't even know. And it's just my heart just kept being stirred in the, the, the beauty of where we were and just the need and the beauty of it, not in the sense of just the, the land itself or the, you know, the, the this Pennsylvania, but just that God, knowing that God wants to do a work that affects this area, that God thinks about these, these little areas that maybe a road that we'll never find again, maybe a, a, a corner that we'll never pass by again. And certainly we went down roads we had never been on before, which is, to me was surprising. But the Lord thought about that area and he thinks about the people that live there. But see, those people don't get reached until we reach out. And we can't reach out unless people are willing to go. And the willing to go, the willingness to go, isn't just in the sense that you got to get up and go. But who are you going to send? Who are you going to send? Or what are you going to connect to? What if, what if it's somewhere else? When we see something that God is doing, we want to connect to it. Amen? Praise the Lord. We try to integrate what church is to us into our lives instead of learning what church is supposed to be. And this is the failure in the Christian church, and especially in America. That America has gotten to this place where we try to integrate church into our lives. We try to make church, you know, we try to see where church will fit. We try to see where Jesus will fit. Instead of realizing that we don't have life aside from Jesus. We don't have life aside from this. That the church, that we don't have life aside from the body of Christ. And that's what communion is all about. We don't have life aside from the body. Now the head is Jesus, but the body is us individually. Jesus made us his body. We didn't choose that specifically, but that's what he chose because he saw fit to do so. So when he saw fit to bring you into that body, it was to God, it was a glorious thing, it was a wonderful thing. And yet so many Christians, so many parts of his body despise and hate the rest of the body. They despise and they hate to say, well, how do we despise and we hate it? Because you don't care enough about it. And I'm not saying you, but I'm talking about them. They don't care enough about it. And what we need to do when we come together for communion, when we come together and take these elements and we, we, we need to understand that, that we come together for a purpose and that purpose is so much bigger than what we are. It's so much greater than the trial we face. It's so much greater than the obstacles that Satan will place. In fact, the only reason that Satan brings those is so we don't understand or so we lose heart or so we lose track of what the body is. He tries to distract us. He says, here, look at this pain. Look at this suffering so you don't see the purpose of the body, so you don't see the great things that God wants to do through it. <clears throat> there are plans for us individually and there are plans for us collectively. Jeremiah 29, 11, this wonderful scripture, but it's not just about us. He's given us plans, but those plans are for plans and for plans and for plans. The plans that he has today are not the same plans he's going to have tomorrow. The things he has you walk in today may prepare you for tomorrow. But be assured of this, that if you're a stale Christian, this isn't God's plan. If you're a stale Christian, it's because you're not connected to the body. God has provided the body for us. I said, God has provided the body for us. Our connection to that, bo that body is solely up to us. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Jesus 
does not have anything to do with that. He doesn't determine whether or not you're connected to the body because he has determined that you can be. The devil has no say over it unless we allow him to separate us from that body. And what I mean is, what I'm talking about is how we come together. Why do we come together? Have we truly come together? You know, in Hebrews 10.25, it tells us not to forsake the assembling together of the brethren, which is the manner of some. But forsaking the assembling together of the brethren doesn't mean that you just don't show up. It's certainly, if you didn't show up, that's forsaking it. But it's not just that, because you can come together and still be forsaken because you're not connected to what's going on. Is your heart there? Is your heart connected to what God is doing? We're so blessed to be able to have the ministry offices. We're so blessed to be able to have the pastoral office because one of the things that the pastoral office does is it tells us what God's doing. The pastor's office, one of the things that God does is he downloads to the pastor to download to the sheep. And yet so often we find the sheep uh, fighting and resisting and they just, uh, you know, they just, they, they're always resisting the thing. And, but you see that in Israel. That's what Israelites did. That's what the Jews did. They fought and they resisted God. He said, here's the promised land, but you've got to walk in. Yeah. That's, what, that's what the Lord told them. He said, I'll give it to you, but you've got to walk into it. You've got to walk it out. And then God does the same thing to us. He says, here's what I have for you, but you got to walk into it. And then we go to God and we say, God, but there's trial. There's opposition. There's things that are trying to stop me. And he's like, yeah, I told you to walk into it. I told you to walk through it. I told you to have faith. I told you to trust. God told us to trust. He told us that's the part that's up to us. See, the part that's up to us is not making the fruit happen. It's not making the things. It's not, it's not making the church grow. But it's, it, it's persisting. It's being standing in faith. It's the ones that are standing there saying, yes, Lord, I will be part of this. And whatever you call me to do, I'm ready to do that. And when I do that, you have faith to know that God will increase that. In fact, sometimes the Lord has showed me this a few times over the years, that some of the things that we don't walk in, we don't walk in because we haven't been good with the things he's already given us. You know, we may look at a small number of church and we may sit there and think, why? Wow. Well, I guess God isn't doing much. Or I guess this wasn't God's plan. And that's precisely why the church that existed here before does not exist here today. This land, this land has been prepared for us. Not because God wasn't going to give it to them, but because they didn't continue. And I'm not saying that to, 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 to speak negatively of those people, but the point that I'm trying to bring is that we could be just another place, another, another church that doesn't hold the foundation. Another church that falls off the foundation because we don't connect to what God's doing. Amen. There are plans for us individually and there's plans for us collectively. But we need to understand God will not make these oppose one another. They will be mutually beneficial. As you're connected to the local church, it will benefit your life. We have saw, seen increase in our life that it only can only come through the connection that God has given us with our pastor and the local church. But also, we have also connected to the local church in the sense that we know that there's a part that we play in that. And so that whatever we have, wherever we're increased, there's nothing in our lives that would be off limits to God. There's nothing we wouldn't give to him if he needed it or if he asked for it. And that's, that's the heart of what God is trying to do in all of us. And I'm not saying it's not in any of you. But what communion is about is remembering that. 
communion, of, what communion is about is coming together again and saying, you know what? We are doing this for a purpose. We do have a reason in this. It is important that I sit here, even if I just sat here. <clears throat> yeah, uh, praise God. And I've done this, and I'd be willing to do it more, unless God directed me to change. But if nobody showed up in the seats, and I've had to prepare myself for that. What if somebody, what if nobody came some night? What if it was just you? I'd preach the message anyways. I'd preach the same message. In fact, I went through that because I'm like, Lord, these messages, some of these messages that he was giving me, I'm like, Lord, this is much bigger than just the few that are coming at the time. <clears throat> and the Lord showed me, he's like, these, these things need to be said. These seeds need to be planted. They need to be spoken into the atmosphere. They need to be preached here because John the Baptist, and actually that's one of the things that the Lord showed me early on. He said, as John the Baptist was in the wilderness... And that's where it left off. Yeah. That's all he said to me about this work. Yeah. As John the Baptist was in the work, uh, I mean, that's all he said to me about that at that time about it. He didn't finish the statement. As John the Baptist was in the wilderness. Yeah. So I had to find out what that means. Yeah. He went to the wilderness and preached. Whether there was anyone there or not, that's what he did. Yeah. I mean, there ended up being people there. But the point that I'm saying is he was faithful to the call. And that's what we have to do. Yeah. And that's what being connected to a body is all about. Praise the Lord. Romans 8.28, I just want to pull it up to you because this is a, a scripture that we so often quote and really, I think, slightly look at the wrong way. Amen? It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, so many people look at this and they say, Oh, I know God will cause all things to work out. That's, that's true. He doesn't cause all things to work out. He causes all things to work out to good for those who love God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you do what I told you to do. Yeah. Amen? And so we get these directions, and that's what communion, he's the one that gave us communion. And the reason he gave us the communion was to remember why we come together. That we come together for a purpose. Praise the Lord. For people who come together for purpose, he causes things to work out. <clears throat> See, we want to work together, or we want all things to work together for the good, but so often we're not willing to work them together because we forget that we're part of the work. Part of that working it out, you know, I, I, I saw, I've seen this so many times, has God done miracles? Do you know, God, just as easily as, as multiplying the bread and the fish, just as easily, Jesus could have called them out of thin air. But notice that God didn't do that. In fact, so often God always worked with what was there. And he said, I'm going to do something with this. Bring what you got. You notice the widow in the Old Testament. The widow woman that had oil. He said, I'm going to work with the, the amount that you have. He could have given her more. In fact, was that Elijah or Elisha? I can't remember. One of them, they said, to, they said to her, go get as many pots. And as many, but the Bible tells us, as many pots as she filled, as many pots as she got and filled, they were filled with oil. But they stopped when she stopped getting the pots. The same thing is with, uh, with the, uh, the, the widow that was uh, going to make the bread and the, 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 the bread for the, uh, uh, her and her child and then die, right? You remember that account in the Old Testament? I think, again, it, maybe it was Elijah or Elisha, one of the two. Uh, um, 
forgive me for not knowing, but uh, glory to God. But I didn't plan on speaking on them, so I, I'm just pulling out of memory, amen. But, he, you know, remember what the man, I think it was Elijah, is, is said, remember what the man of God said to her? Make for me a cake first. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. That's what he said. Make for me a cake. Yeah, I think, uh, was that the, the, the one after he came out of the brook of Cherith? Yeah. The Lord said, I, I provided something for you. And so, you, you know, he could have brought it to the brook. He could, have, he could have made the widow already have abundance, but that's not how it worked. She, he, he, she brought what she had willingly, and he multiplied God multiplied it. And see, that's exactly the way God does things, is the, the work. We, we look for the things to just automatically be there. We look for the trial to be away, to be gone, when God says, I want you to walk through it in faith. Do you understand that the trial reveals in us where we're weak? It doesn't do anything to God. It doesn't, it doesn't, like, God knows where we stand. He knows our hearts better than we know our hearts. He, you know, Paul said, I don't even judge myself. That's how little I know me compared to how God knows me. He said, I don't even judge myself. You don't know you. The trial and the perseverance in the trial has nothing to do with proving to God anything. He knows what you'll do and what you won't do. But it has everything to do with walking you through it. It has everything to do with getting in you to understand it. To understand what he will do. See, the, 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 the woman that didn't have the food that knew she was going to die, it was a trial for her to take what little bit she had left and to give it up. And I'm sure for that boy who came to Jesus and had the fish and the bread, I'm sure for that boy it was probably a lot to give it up. But man, what did it do? What did it do in him when he saw the Lord multiply it over and over and over again? But see, you don't see those things without coming together. You don't see those kinds of things until we gather together. You don't see what God truly is doing until we're looking at what God is truly doing. Yeah. When we're reminding each other of the things that God is doing. And this is what communion is all about. Right. We don't just get a little bread and get a little juice. What we're doing is we're remembering, we're putting ourselves in remembrance of what Christ did for us yeah. and what he made us to be. Amen. I knew it'd be different than Mayville. Glory to God. Things work together for God's purpose. God has brought you to this place for his purpose. It's your decision how and if you'll walk that out. As I said, I don't like to do communion without teaching on it. I think that the teaching on communion is very important. Amen? And we have a few minutes left, and so we're going to try to get into all of this. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it probably won't take us too long, but turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11. Now, communion is really about believers. It doesn't make much sense for a non-believer to take communion. And, and I can see that here that we're all believers. Um, and the reason it wouldn't take, make much sense for a, a non-believer to take communion is because they'd be, you'd be putting them in remembrance of something they have no clue about. They need to understand that before. And so I do understand that, and I understand the importance of believers' communion. Amen? And that's what we're doing here. 1 Corinthians 11, 17. 
It says here, but in giving this instruction, I do not praise you because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. And so Paul was rebuking the Corinthians here because they came together, but they weren't coming together for, for what was better. They were coming together for the worse. And, and maybe their intent wasn't coming together for the worse, but you know what it's like. You know when a brother or sister rubs you the wrong way. You know when they've done something that you don't like. You know when you're offended at them. And that's exactly what Paul was talking about. He was saying, you're coming together, but you're so focused on you that you're not focusing on why you come together. You come together to accomplish my work. How well are the soldiers going to, how well are the soldiers going to fight in the battle if they're shooting at each other? How well are they going to shoot or work in the battle if they see their brother or sister get shot or get wounded and they ignore it and they say, well, I'm just going to go hide myself. You lose numbers real quickly going that way, don't you? Well, what do you think happens in the body of Christ? You have people that are divided over this. You have people that are divided over that. Listen, there's no reason that we can, there, there's plenty of things that we can disagree about and be completely okay if we do it without being disagreeable. We can, we, we can talk about, uh, about different things out of Scripture and not fight about it. I'm not talking about heresies. I'm not talking about things that ruin people's faith right. or that could make them not have salvation. I'm talking about, you know, little doctrinal issues here or there. Shoot, we've even learned this over the years, that people are going gonna to paint their house different, aren't they? Some people are going to decorate differently. They're, they're, I, I remember somebody coming to our house and we, we, we had spent all this time doing all these really wonderful projects in our house. And someone came into our house and they just weren't impressed with it. They just weren't impressed. It just wasn't their style. They, just, they didn't get it or whatever, you know. And, 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 and we, you know, we thought we did a pretty good job. And after all, we both have, you know, this art background and we have this, this desire, this love for these things. And, but, you know, it wasn't Pottery Barn or it wasn't Ikea. We didn't, we didn't do it exactly the way that the big box stores did it. So it must not be right, you know. But that's okay. We don't have to agree with everything. We don't have to look the same. We don't have to do everything the same way in the sense that, you know, it, you know we each build our house the way we build it. Yeah. But coming together, we should come together with a purpose. See, when you come together with purpose, there, it leaves no room. When you come together for God's purpose, it leaves no room for you. It leaves no room for you to be focused on yourself. And this is what communion is about. It's about remembering that we don't come together for me. I don't come together because I need to be free. I've been made free. If you've been, listen, there's two, there's two kinds of people. There's saved and there's unsaved. That's what there is. If you're saved, you've been made free. Praise the Lord. So you don't need to get free. You gotta just stop trying. Stop trying to be free because you've been made free. I said stop trying to be free because you've been made free. You don't need to be made any more free. I don't believe in deliverance ministries. There's only one deliverance ministry. You know what that's called? Salvation, being born again. Why? Because it says he has delivered us. Praise God. There is no deliverance that we can get outside of Christ or that we can get once we've been in Christ that we haven't already gotten. The blood of the cross has delivered us from every evil. Glory to God. He has seated us in heavenly places with him. Glory to God. We're already there. 
Brothers and sisters, we are in the throne room right now. Glory to God. That's how God sees us. That's our place. So when we come together, we can throw all that garbage aside. One of the wonderful things and should be the wonderful thing about the local church is that you can come in with all your problems and know that when you walk through the door, that's where they stay. They stay out there. You don't have to bring them in here, but you might choose to. And if you choose to, that's up to you, but you guys got to understand that you missed the point of coming in. Yeah. Amen. It'd be like, you know, coming in to get out of the rain, but then like, you know, go and stand in the shower with all your clothes on or something. You know what I mean? It'd be stupid. It'd be pointless. Like if you came in to get dry, glory to God, you don't come in and get stay wet, right? In the same way as if, you know, whatever it is, you don't go to a restaurant and starve, right? If you go to a restaurant, you eat. And you eat because that's the purpose of being there. Well, the same thing with coming together for God. We come together for a greater purpose. And that greater purpose is realized in this as we come together with the mindset of the right purpose. Praise God. Hallelujah. I knew it would be different than Mayville. Amen. So you know, let's go ahead and skip down there to verse 23. And this we see here, for, uh, for I received... Uh, I received... <coughs> From the Lord, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this is a cup of the new cup. This cup is the cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So what are the two things we're supposed to remember? His body and his covenant. You are his body, I am his body. Praise the Lord. Yes. The covenant's the thing that sets us free. Yes. The covenant's the promise. Yes. The covenant's the open door to God. The covenant, the covenant is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The covenant is his rest. Yes. Hallelujah. That's what we come to, and this is what communion's about. For as often as you drink this bread, and drink, or eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. How, how do we do that? How do we do it in an unworthy manner? Well, don't you know he tells us? But a man must examine himself, and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup, examining yourself. For he who drinks or eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. The body he's speaking of is the body of Christ. Communion is about coming together. It's about the body of Christ. If we don't judge that rightly, if we don't, you know, some versions say discern, if we don't understand that rightly, and that's what that judgment is, is, is making the judgment in our mind. You, you know, a judgment can be a good thing. It's not just always, a, oh, I judge you, or you've been judged, or you stop judging me. It's not always that. But it means that you judge this rightly, that you say that this is right. Amen? Yeah. For this reason, look at this. Many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. But if we would judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. Glory to God. See, what, uh, it, when it's saying many are weak and sick among you, I see this so often. There are people who are so caught up in themselves that they can't stand on their own. Now, that's fine when you're a new Christian. 
But when you've been a Christian for a while, you have an obligation to judge yourself rightly, to look at your situation and say, what, what, am, I, what am I doing? What am I part of? Or what am I not? And see, there's a lot of people that go without God's blessing, not because he doesn't want them to have the blessing, but because they aren't judging rightly. They aren't judging themselves. They're not looking at the body the way that they're supposed to. They're looking at themselves. They're focused on them. And this is what communion is all about. To put us in remembrance of God's body. To put us in remembrance of our place in that body and what we are called to do. Amen?